welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. You ready for our teaching time? Better yes? Come on. Thanks, church. That's great. Uh, let me ask you a question. How, many, how, many, how good do you think our chances are having a white Christmas this year? Uh, sometimes this time of year it's a little debatable, right? I think we're safe, right? I think, I think we're safe. I think it's going to work out. Everybody say the number five. Five. This was the fifth record snowfall in the history of Minnesota. Four-tenths of an inch away from the fourth place. So uh, hang in there, something to tell your kids and stuff like that, right? So you were part of a legendary experience. Uh, Our series is White Noise, and it's just a short two-week series. This is the second week, and excited to teach God's Word this morning, really the focus of uh, just looking at Christmas and this message. Is there anybody here that loves Christmas? Can I see your hands? Uh, You're listening to somebody, I love Christmas, love so much about it. I love to give gifts, I like to get gifts. Um, I won't tell you which I love more, but I just, I love so much about it. I love having a few days off, I love the weather, I love the snow, I love family, I love being able to eat too much and it's okay, I love all that kind of stuff, nobody bothers me about the salt I put, it's all good. I love so much about Christmas. So my question to you is, what's your favorite part about Christmas? Again, maybe time off, maybe family, maybe gifts. Christmas Eve service is one of my highlights, one of my probably top three. I love taking that hour out of Christmas Eve and just worshiping God or being with family, whatever it might be. So on the count of three, say I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not, I haven't told you what I want you to do, but you're ready. Thanks. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you, tell me the, your favorite thing about Christmas and the thing you most enjoy about the season, all right? One, two, three. We're going to say it together. One, two, three. Yes. Totally agree. Totally agree. And uh, it is. It's, it's an exciting time of year. It's an exciting time to just uh, study God's word. You know, you jump into the Bible at Christmas season. And for those of us that have been around church for a while um, or any amount of time, it's such a familiar story. And as pastors, you, you kind of think, well, how can I teach this in a fresh way? And God, give us a, a fresh message. And I think this series, uh, White Noise, is that kind of message that just really gives us another perspective for God's word to kind of come alive in our hearts. It's just, it's so, so cool. So just to recap, last week, week one, Pastor Rob shared just a fantastic message in uh, White Noise um, week one and really talked about uh, kind of set it up what is white noise if you missed it or just as a reminder to you white noise simply put is is noise that is designed to help us ignore or drown out other primary distinct sounds 
White noise, Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob used the, the illustration of the, the fan application that he has to help him sleep and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's really what white noise is. So help us ignore or drown out primary voices like traffic or people speaking. Or you'll remember last week in the message, doors opening and closing or something like that. That's, that's the design of white noise to help us ignore. And then kind of towards the end of the message last week, week one, Pastor Rob made this statement, but... But God doesn't want to be ignored. But God doesn't want to be ignored. And and even when I was sitting there listening to that, it just kind of jumped in my heart and just was stirring around. I just thought it was such a strong statement last week in week one, that statement. But but God doesn't want to be ignored. So as we as we kind of jump into week two, I'm just gonna ask you to pray with me as we just ask God to to touch all of our hearts. Give us a desire and expectation to hear from him even in just the next few moments. Pray with me. Lord, we just take a moment and we just quiet our hearts and listen to you and, and God, even in the midst of all the noise that's been going on in the last few days here in the, in the South Metro, here in the Twin Cities, God, we just, for the next few moments as we jump into the Bible, as we read familiar passages of scriptures, Lord, we just pray that we would not check out or coast through this time, but God, that we would just be hearts open, ears open, ready to hear you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome in this place. I ask that you would help me to communicate your word. God, for all of us to respond to you. And God, even, even beforehand, just in faith, as we're praying over this message, we just we just collectively, we say yes to you. Lord, there's people here at different places in their faith journey, some committed, some sold out, some very, very committed, very strong, been, been a Christian for many years, some that are searching, that are looking, that are checking it out, maybe not sure about the whole Christian journey, some that are maybe somewhere in between. But God, you have a message for each and every person that's here today. And we just give you this time. We thank you for your amazing love and just how what an incredible resource the Bible is. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said a good amen. 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 Thanks, church. Last, uh, actually two weeks ago, uh, Jane and I had the opportunity. We just returned from leading our, our global trip, global team to Israel. And uh, it just was an incredible experience. It was our second time to, to lead a tour to the Holy Land. If you have never been to the Holy Land, every Christ follower needs to go. You got to go. And you got to go at least once. It's just amazing. It's incredible. You see so much. And, and God's word just kind of comes alive to you afresh as you're reading stories and scriptures and accounts. And you're in that location. And it, and it just fires you up. It really is. It is so cool. Well, most of, you know, once you're there, you realize really, really quickly that the number one industry in Israel is tourism. It's tourism. So as you travel around in the Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem and all the different locations that you see and you go, you go to Megiddo and, and Bethlehem and all these places, I mean, everywhere you pull in, there's tour buses and tour buses and lines of people and, and even downtown Jerusalem and the old city, the Via Della Rosa, the steps of the cross, and you experience that. It's so cool. The garden tomb. But you pull in and there's just, there's busloads and busloads and busloads of people. I mean, there was tours of two and three hundred people at these locations. And, and so it's super cool. It's super great. You got to go, but it's also very busy, very noisy, very active at times. And on our final day of the trip, our final tour day, we started the day in Bethlehem. 
in Bethlehem. Again, just two weeks ago, we were in Bethlehem. And uh, so you went to the church of the nativity. It was busy. There's people waiting to get in. And, and, and again, it's, it's super moving, but it's also very active and stuff like that. Very noisy, so to speak. And it was just really cool seeing the church in the nativity. And, and, and then we left there and, and just went a few blocks away to uh, some fields, a location that they call Shepherd's Fields. And they, the Bible scholars believe, historians believe, that shepherds' fields is, is where the shepherds heard the voice of the angel telling them to go to Bethlehem, not far away, to worship the newborn king. And of our tour, we probably saw 20 different locations. It was, it was one of my top two or three spots this year in the tour. One of the reasons was I just looked at it and I saw, wow, this, this really could have happened just like the Bible says. But also, it was kind of a quiet place. It was outside. It was in nature, just kind of outdoors. And there wasn't any large groups there when we were there. And you could just kind of, just kind of soak it in without just all the noise and all the busyness of what happens around you. And it just, it just really spoke to me, helped me kind of, kind of cut through that place. And our team read scripture and just talked about and read those verses where the shepherds heard the voice of the angel. And I just thought how important it is that we we do find those times where we're able to cut through the white noise, even the good noise that's happening all around us, and just listen to the voice of God. Listen to the whispers of God that he desires to speak to our lives. So here's what I want to do this morning as we wrap up this, this series, White Noise. Um, I want to share with you three events. Three events. There's, there's a fourth we could look at, the shepherds. We're not going to look at that this morning. But I want to share with you three events that are very familiar to many of us, where where God broke through the white noise of these key people in the Christmas story and spoke a very clear message to them. And so we're going to look at that this morning and we're going to find probably some similarities to the message that God broke through the white noise in their life to speak to them that he's going to also be speaking to us today, this December 2010, as we gather as a church family. So just want you engaged, want you ready for it as we look at kind of these three key events. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Luke chapter 1, very familiar verses. Also, you may want to take a few notes. We're going to have some, I'll share some application with you in this message that I think could be a real blessing to you. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 1. Let's jump in in verses 8 through 13. Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 13. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the customs of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Underline that. You, your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Wow. Let me tell you the setting and the context for all three of these events. First one is simply just an angel speaks to Zechariah. And there's an angel that's, that Gabriel that will speak in all three of these events. So the first event is simply this, that, that an angel speaks to Zechariah. Zechariah was a Jewish priest. Let me unpack it just a little bit for us, give us some context. Zechariah was a Jewish priest. In those days, if you, if you had seen the, the temple in Jerusalem, there was, there was an outer court, an inner court, and the inner place, which was called the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. 
And so in this, in this journey as a Jewish priest, if you were a Jewish priest, you were, you were together with a group. It could have been 12 to 20 different Jewish priests that were part of your group as priests. And, and you would worship and burn incense in that outer court area of worship. They would, they would periodically cast lots to see whose, whose group would be, would be the ones to go into the Holy of Holies to, to worship and burn incense. And within that, when your group was called, as a scripture we just read, Zechariah's group was called, and they cast lots to see who was the Jewish priest of that group that would get to go in and experience the Holy of Holies and burn incense and worship God. It was just a very significant thing. So you could be a Jewish priest your entire life and never get to go into the Holy of Holies because your lot wasn't cast. It wasn't called. Zechariah's was, and it was such a powerful experience. Again, grab this, so powerful that they would, they would literally tie a rope to the ankle of the priest that would go into the Holy of Holies. And then when they would venture into the Holy of Holies, because God was thought to have been there, and in case the presence and the power of God, in case they were killed or fainted or something like in the presence of God, they would take the rope and pull the priest out if they hadn't heard from him in a while. How many want that job? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Well, that, that's, what, that's what Zachariah was, was experiencing. Then outside in the outer court, all the other priests would be worshiping and praying that God's presence would be revealed and that they'd hear the voice of God and all this kind of stuff would take place. So Zechariah is in there, the holy of holies, and an angel visits him. And I'm going to run through this really quick, but just track with me. The angel, I think, according to Scripture, I'll summarize it, told him three things. The angel told him, told him three things. Grab this. The first thing the angel said to him is, hey, God answers prayer. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. God answers prayer. Some of you this morning, you need to hear that clearly. God answers prayer. So don't stop praying. Don't stop bringing needs to God. Don't stop asking him for the miraculous. Don't stop believing him for big things. God answers prayer. I just think it's so cool. It's so cool that the angel said, hey, Zachariah, God, God answers prayer. Second thing God says to Zachariah is, hey, it's a miracle. I know Elizabeth's barren. I know she's old in age up there in years. But you're going you're gonna to have a son. You're going to have a son, Zachariah. You've always wanted one. You've prayed for it. And you're going to have a son. What a great message to hear when you've given up all hope of having children. You're going to have a son. Third thing the angel says to him. Last thing. I want you to name your son John. Because your son John will make a big difference for God in his life. And I would also say to us, for those that we love, we care about our children, our extended family, but also ourselves, every one of us in this room this morning, God would say to you and I that he wants to make a big difference with your life. That God's not finished. That God's plan is incredible. That God desires to make a big difference with our lives. And, and that's, that's really what God spoke. And it just, it just grabs my heart when I see that. And, I, and it just it resonates. So that's the first experience. An angel speaks to Zechariah. Let's look at the next event. An angel speaks to Mary. An angel speaks to Mary. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Luke chapter 1, is, and we'll pick up here in verse 26 and, uh, and read through 33. Very familiar scripture. Again, so much of this is the Christmas message, but just kind of read it with fresh eyes and an open heart. So an angel, this is the moment where an angel talks to Mary. So here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom, his kingdom will never end. So let's look at the context just for a moment of Mary. Now, if there's a familiar passage of scripture that we might know, this is it, right? Most of us have heard these events in this context many times, so I'll just say it, just kind of give it to you really quick. Bible scholars, and I believe this with all my heart, Mary was somewhere between the ages of 12 to 15. Her village, 12 to 15, grab that. Her village was Nazareth. Back then, Nazareth was a community of somewhere around 50 families. So she's 12 to 15 years old. She is a virgin. She has found herself to be pregnant doesn't, and all that's taken place, she's in a village of about 50 families. The stigma, the awareness that other people would have in that village of what was going on in her life was just very dramatic, very significant. So that, that's, that's what's taken place. I look at Mary's faithfulness every year. I've taught on it so many different times. You have read about it, heard about it, and it just, it, wow, she just, she just really amazes me because it was really incredible. But uh, what was the message? Again, here's the key question. What was the message that the angel shared with Gabriel? I'm sorry, the angel shared with Mary, and does any of it apply to me? Well, the angel told her a couple things. Uh, he said this, hey, Mary, you're blessed and favored. Mary, you're blessed and favored. Now, we just had a great series we finished a couple months ago called Why God, Why? We talked about there's journeys and times in our life where we face difficult seasons, and no doubt that that happens. But let us never forget that in God's presence, there's also seasons in our lives where we sense his favor and his blessing that rests upon us. And it's so incredible that God puts his favor and his blessing to rest upon us in just amazing seasons. And I just love it. I love it. It was almost preemptive. The angel says to Mary, hey, Mary, before I tell you what I'm about to tell you, let me just tell you that you are favored and blessed, all right? And then he says... Um, there's going to be this miraculous pregnancy that takes place in you. You're going to have a miraculous pregnancy, and it's of the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's a miracle. It's a miracle. God still does miracles, church, right? He does. God still does miracles. And there's this miracle you're going to experience, and you're going to, be, you're going to find yourself pregnant. And I know you're not married yet. I know you're a virgin. I know you're engaged, but this is very significant. So that's the second part of the message. Then the third thing the angel, the angel says to Mary is simply this. Hey, Mary, name him Jesus. Actually, you will call him Jesus. His, I've already named him. His name is Jesus. And it talks about this for the first time. He will be a king that will reign forever. The only king. That would be, I mean, that would be revolutionary. That there would be a kingdom whose kingdom would reign forever. His kingdom will have no end. He will be a savior. 
What an incredible message. One more event to look at. So an angel speaks to Zechariah, an angel speaks to, to Mary. Then we'll kind of look at this last one, and then I'll kind of tie it together with a few thoughts for you here. The third event that we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 1, and uh, it's where an angel talks to Joseph. An angel talks to Joseph. I mean, you know, the angel's been busy, right? Had a busy couple days here. All right. The angel talks to, talks to Joseph. And let's look at this together in uh, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, underline that, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Wow, what an incredible, incredible message. So what's the context for Joseph? Again, just real quick. Joseph was somewhere late teen, young adult age. He was a young man of integrity. Scripture tells us that. He lived that way. He had done it. Let me just say this way. He had done it right. He had prepared for marriage and did it right. He served faithfully. He was honorable. He was a person of integrity. He was engaged to this young woman that had known no other man, who that had lived pure, that had lived to honor God. And so he, he did it right. He lived within the boundaries of God's standards. He honored God with his life, and he was a person of integrity. And just understand this. Again, a guy from, from Nazareth, the disgrace, all that. And he's got this vision of what his life's going to be like. And then, bam, he gets this news that we so are familiar with. Finds out that his fiance Mary, is pregnant. And he's got to make some decisions. And that's the setting and that's the context. So what was the message that the angel shared with Joseph and how does it apply to our lives? So scripture says that Joseph had a dream and an angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Catch this church. And the angel told him a couple things. First thing the angel said is, no, 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 no. You continue with your plan to marry, to be married to Mary. Don't change the plan that God has for you. Don't change the place that God's put you. Don't change the journey that God began with you. Joseph, stay put, marry her. It's all right, marry her. And the second thing he said, I mean, that was really cool to hear, but if I'm Joseph, I'm really thankful he told me the second thing. The second thing the angel said is, hey, by the way, she's pregnant and it's from no other man. It's from the power of God. Now, if you're a guy, you like to hear that, right? Amen? Because you already know she's pregnant, so that's done. But you're like, oh, thank God. You know? So he's, he's happy that the message is, you know what, she's pregnant, but it's not about another man. You're not going to understand how it happened, but she's pregnant by the power of God in her life. That's very dramatic. And the third thing the angel says is this. Same thing, but a little different message than what he told Mary. Same, this is the same part. Joseph, you're going to name your son Jesus. Here's the new part. He will be the savior of the entire world. Your son that's going to be born is going to be the savior of the entire world. What a message. What a man of integrity. A couple weeks ago, I was, 
sitting down with somebody that I've known for a number of years and I haven't been very connected to them in the last few years and, and uh, they're at a different place in their faith journey, kind of not sure if they want to follow Christ or serve God and stuff like that. We were talking about Christ and forgiveness and relationship and uh, you know, just, just hope for the church and, and future and just God's heart and all that kind of stuff. And, and he interrupted me and he said, hey, Pastor Darren, do you really believe in the whole virgin birth thing? And uh, just a week and a half ago, and the first thing I said to him was, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. I believe in it just like scripture says it. So if there's any emergent thinkers in the room wonder what I think, that's what I think. I think it says exactly what scripture says. I think it's right on. And I also thought, we're in the middle of this great conversation. The white noise comes in from this other side, which that question is just kind of white noise. Now, I believe it. Let's get back to talking about because of who Jesus is, the relationship with God that we have made available to us, the opportunity, the access we have to encounter Jesus in our lives is so, so significant. So let me transition here and I'll begin to wrap up just over the next few moments. Um, Most of us in the room have had what I would call some aha moments. Everybody say aha. Aha moments are like, wow, I finally get it. Now I get it. I'm kind of aware now. It makes sense. I got it. And, and something like that where you just, oh, now I understand. I knew it in paper. I knew it. I read it. And, and now I understand this is, this is really real. Again, just, just mentioning just in, in Israel and at Shepherd's Field and seeing all that. I've looked at it and said, wow, it happened it, just like this. Scripture's so solid, so amazing, so incredible. Being in the garden tomb, I'm like, wow, it really did happen like that. We were at the, in Megiddo, the, which is above the Valley of Armageddon, which is looking over with us, where the Bible believes and scripture teaches and Revelation talks about that the battle of Armageddon will take place. And I'm looking over this valley and it's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of flat valley and I'm like, whoa, man, it could happen just like Revelation says. And I just had an aha moment. I shared in the early service, I had an aha moment on my wedding day. I mean, I'm going to tell you what I mean by that, okay? Um, <laughs> on my wedding day, we were getting ready to take our vows. Yeah, stay with me here. We're going to take our vows. And the, and, the, and the pastor says, you know, repeat after me. And he said that point of, till death do you part. And I'm like, whoa, this is serious. <laughs> That's 23 years ago, still married to an amazing woman. But twice, just, wow, just that aha moment, like, all oh, this wedding thing, marriage thing, really, really significant. You've had some aha moments in your life, no doubt. No doubt, we're just all of a sudden, whoa, now I get it. See, I think these three events we've talked about in White Noise this morning, there's no doubt that they were aha moments for these individuals. No doubt. So, River Valley Church, as we wrap up this series, White Noise. What is it, what's the noise that God wants to break through in your life today? so that you can have an aha moment and hear what he wants you to hear. What is it? For today, December 2010, enough about history. Let's bring it right to now. In our lives today, as we sit in this auditorium in our great church, what is God's message that he he wants to break through and give you an aha moment? I think he wants to tell us, I'm just going to submit these to you, two things. The first thing I want, I think God wants to tell us is this. It's about you. It's about you. I think God just wants to tell you that. 
I think as I've been studying this and looking at this, I'm reminded again, Pastor, what do you mean it's about me? It's about his amazing love, his incredible grace. God sent his son Jesus to be born because he loves you and I with an incredible love. No doubt about it. Even though we're sinners, he loves us so much. So if you're here this morning and somebody hasn't told you in a while, let me tell you really clear today, God loves you. I mean, he loves you. He loves you. He knows who you are and he loves you. So I I just think that's the first aha moment. The second aha moment is this. It's not all about you though. (laughs) It's not all about you. So I'll give you the first one. No doubt, grab it. It's about you. But my second aha moment that I see in this text is this. It's not all about you. This message is not a me-centered thing. It's not an I-only deal. Pastor Rob even talked about the end of the message last week. If you, if you saw it or if you were here and talked about sharing Christ with some extended relatives and just being reminded of how we've got to let people that we know know about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the second thing I would tell you is, man, take great comfort in the truth that, that this, this message is about you. It's about his amazing love for you. But also own that second part of the message that it's not all about you. It's not all about me. See, the thing, the second thing the angel told Mary, I didn't highlight it back when I described the event, Gabriel says to Mary, just incredible. Says that he is a savior for all, good news, for all mankind. Good news for everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. Everyone, everyone was the message. So it's about you, but it's, it's not all about you. And what I want to do is I want to take just a minute, quiet ourselves, close our eyes, I finished a couple minutes early on purpose just to let God maybe even today in December break through the white noise in our lives even right now in this service and speak to us. So would you just close your eyes? And as you, as you listen, I would just tell you that all three of the individuals we talked about had no plans of hearing God at the beginning of that experience. But God broke through and spoke something to them laid something on their heart. So let's just listen for a moment. Thank you, God. As our eyes are closed and we're praying in this quiet moment, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's amazing love. Some of you may have come this morning and kind of braved all the weather and you made it here and and you're at a place in your faith journey where you just know that you're disconnected from God. You're not where you're supposed to be. Sin is kind of reigning in your life and you feel disconnected and you know you're not fully surrendered to God. Maybe you have never fully said, God, I'm in. I want you at the center of my life. You've done the religious thing but never fully surrendered. 
Maybe you've done that, but you've fallen away and you know you're at a place where you're just disconnected from God. And what I want to offer you is the opportunity to know when you leave today that you have surrendered to Jesus Christ and that your life is right with him and you will be forgiven of your sins. What a great decision to make this Christmas season, 2010. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Darren, I'm in. Include me in the final prayer. I know I need God's forgiveness. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to I leave here knowing that I'm, I'm in the right place with Jesus Christ and I need his forgiveness today. So his heads are bowed and you say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in the final prayer. Would you just raise your hand? Just high enough so I could see it. I won't embarrass you. I won't have you stand up. Yeah, just keep it up just real high for a second. Yep, yep, yep. I agree with you. Yep, thanks down front. Yes, way in the back. Thanks in the middle on the right. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yep. Thank you. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Awesome. Thanks. You can put your hands down. I want to invite everybody to stand with me, please. I tell you, here at River Valley Church, um, we don't take, we don't make salvation tricky. We don't tell you there's tons of hoops you have to jump through. But we do take it very serious. And so the prayer we're about to pray is a very significant prayer. It's not the end, it's a beginning of walking that out, walking that obedience out. But sometimes we hear a prayer prayed too often and we just don't, it's easy to lose its significance. We're not going to let that happen. The prayer we're about to pray is very significant. So for those that raise your hand, I think there was 12 or 13 in this service. Um, I want you to pray this prayer, but I'm going to ask our entire church family, would you repeat this after me? Jesus, I come to you. I surrender my life to you. Please forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I desire to live my life for you. Help me to cut through the white noise and hear your voice. My answer is yes. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise?